You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, this is Matt George, Sacramento Sports Radio host, currently working my sixth season covering the Kings and host of the Locked On Kings podcast. Going to be doing things a little bit differently here today. Over all my years of professionally reporting on and analyzing the Sacramento Kings organization and my lifetime of being a diehard fan of the Kings as a born and raised Sacramentan, truly never have I seen the franchise so close to rock bottom. Last night, the Kings lost to the Detroit Pistons 127-106, falling to 15-29 and on the season, good for 14th in the Western Conference. After a 39-win season in 2018-2019, their highest win total since last making the playoffs in 2006, Sacramento is on pace for just 27 wins. Truthfully, it doesn't matter that the Pistons were playing without their best players, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. The despicable effort and complete lack of cohesiveness by the Kings would have been exploited by every G League roster and potentially even some top NCAA programs. The Kings have no right calling themselves a professional basketball organization or had no right at any point during that 48-minute pathetic excuse for an NBA game last night. Call it a disrespect for the quality of roster that Detroit had put together on that particular night, which by the way still consisted of professional athletes who had enough talent to earn their way onto a small roster of a team in the world's greatest basketball league. Or you could call it an overall disinterest in playing the game to begin with, but the Sacramento Kings were nothing short of an embarrassment to their fans, themselves, the organization, and even, to an extent, the NBA. Any fan of either team who wasted a couple hours of their lives watching this contest were treated to a group of individuals in white jerseys who didn't care enough beyond showing up and collecting a major paycheck for minimal work. That is, of course, from the Sacramento Kings' perspective. Detroit had the determination to take advantage of their opponent's inability to play with any sort of effort on the defensive end of the floor, let alone give a damn about the game as a whole. Detroit handled their business, hence the reason why they won comfortably. Sacramento allowed the Pistons to shoot 53% from the field, an already absurd percentage made worse by 44 total free throws. Not from both teams combined, just Detroit. 44 trips to the foul line, resulting in 37 points, while Sacramento shot a worse percentage on their 23 free throw attempts than the Pistons did from the field, 52%. NBA officials are human, and they make mistakes nightly that positively and negatively affect both teams. Of course, Sacramento has been on the wrong side of NBA officiating controversy in the past, leading to an overall sensitivity by fans towards questionable foul calls or a lack of whistles during significant contact. Kings head coach Luke Walton has indirectly brought up officiating, pointing out the often major gaps in free throw attempts between the Kings and their opponents multiple times over the last month. But it's his team's own consistency when it comes to fouls and fouling, the large amount of fouls that they commit more specifically, that works against Walton in this case. There is no conspiracy or agenda by NBA officials towards the Sacramento Kings. None whatsoever. Instead, what you have is a team that isn't aggressive enough to draw fouls on offense 
and who lazily over-aggressively defends on the other end of the floor. Sacramento is currently stuck in a six-game losing streak, which is their third losing streak of five or more games this season. Over those six games, Sacramento has given up a colossal 174 free throws to their opponents. 30 to the Bucks, 30 to the Magic, 24 to the Mavericks, 24 to the Jazz, 22 to the Heat, and then 44 to the Pistons. That is an average of 29 free throws allowed per game. To put that into perspective, the Houston Rockets lead the NBA in free throw attempts per game with 26. The Kings are giving up an average of three free throws more on a nightly basis, regardless of their opponent, than the Houston Rockets get to the line. Again, 26 times per game, the league-leading average for the Rockets. The Pistons, by the way, Average 23 free throw attempts per game, which is good for 14th in the league. So what we have here is a team with the lack of discipline to fix their fouling issues and a coaching staff that clearly doesn't have either the respect of their roster or the ability as coaches to correct one of their many blaring problems. This is just one example of the issues that this team has faced so far this season. And they were only able to handle those issues consistently when their young star De'Aaron Fox, along with constantly changing list of important players like Marvin Bagley and Bogdan Bogdanovich, were out with injuries. Wednesday's loss is just one of 82 games this season. In a nutshell, it doesn't mean that much. But it joins the overwhelming amount of losses that the Kings have already tallied this year against either inferior competition or in situations where they should have secured a win. The New York Knicks game in Sacramento. How about the loss to the Miami Heat a couple nights ago? In fact, Morgan Reagan, who was on Kings Radio pregame and postgame last night with Jason Ross and Dave Deuce Mason, pointed out something that I thought was very interesting. She pointed out that Sacramento themselves don't even deserve to be called competition with their inability or lack of interest in competing against their opponents. Morgan brought up the fact, and it was a key to a game that honestly should never be a key, but it was a good point by her. The Kings have struggled to let to just compete. And last night, they didn't even care enough to compete. It's happened far too often this season. So what is the answer? F*** if I know. The answer is that there is no one answer for the mass of questions that fans, media, and the Kings should be asking of themselves. Is it Coach Walton? Have we all significantly overvalued the talent of this roster? Is Vlade Divac a good general manager? Is the Kings front office capable of putting together a winning product? Is the Kings' medical and training staff to blame for the tremendous amount of player injuries? Was Buddy Heald contract, was his contract a massive mistake? What about Harrison Barnes's deal? Did the Kings screw themselves over again with terrible free agency moves last summer? All those questions can be true, and all of them can be exaggerated, but they all exist, which is a perfect reflection of the state of this franchise right now. Technically, the Kings are only 
five and a half games out of the eighth seed in the Western Conference, which is absurd and completely unexpected in its own right. And I'm going to do everything I can to remove playoffs, the P word, from my vocabulary until this team earns the right to be in the same conversation as playoffs. The reality is the Sacramento Kings, barring a miracle turnaround and a revelation by nearly every branch of this organization in the next few weeks, are looking at growing their playoff drought to 14 straight years. Seven under the former Maloof ownership and seven under Vivek Ranadive and the ownership group that triumphantly kept the Kings in Sacramento. An achievement for which Kings fans, of course, will always be grateful. Vivek and the large amount of minority owners purchased fans the freedom to focus on basketball again. We will always be grateful for that. And while their initial popularity and the opening of the beautiful Golden One Center gave them multiple years of patience from an already starved fan base, they have more than spent that time and that patience. So Vivek should sell the franchise. Okay, so what? So the Kings should hire a new accomplished general manager and put together a whole new front office. All right, so what? So the Kings should hire a new head coach after an extensive search who will bring a winning presence to the bench and turn a collection of players into a winning unit. Okay, so what? So the Kings should bring in the right players, only sign established talent for the right price, draft the obvious best player regardless of position, and surround De'Aaron Fox with the perfect supporting cast. Excellent. Perfect. Where do I sign? Around and around and around and around we go. The revolving door of personnel that has existed with both ownership groups and it carries on with little reason to believe it will stop other than sheer dumb luck. And yet one thing remains constant. It's always the Sacramento Kings. Let's face it, the Sacramento Kings are an organization deeply rooted in ineptitude and losing that goes beyond any owner, GM, coach, or player. Apart from the wonderful late 90s and early 2000s, the Kings have been grade A losers since moving to California's capital. The entire franchise has created a culture of losing, a cult of bad decisions, and a curse of self-inflicted pain and failure. That seemingly can only be changed with winning. But in order to win, that culture must change. At this point, nothing short of divine intervention can help the franchise. And even that recently hasn't worked. After the bold and at the, at the time seemingly foolish trading away of DeMarcus Cousins, who's arguably one of the greatest Sacramento Kings players of all time, that is statistically, not necessarily in the win column, the Kings got lucky in the 2017 lottery, moving up to the fifth spot, where dream pick De'Aaron Fox, who quickly captured the hearts of the Sacramento faithful, became the future star that was needed. Then, the very next year, the Kings would get even luckier, turning a lost coin flip to the Chicago Bulls into a huge jump to the second overall pick in the 2018 draft lottery where the Kings would have their pick of whichever future star they would like, short of DeAndre Ayton, who most knew was going to Phoenix number one overall, in an extremely deep 
draft, all the stars were aligned. One player made the most sense in every aspect. Luka Doncic had already established himself as one of the greatest European players ever to pick up a basketball. He fit the Kings' need for a wing and already had personal connections with Vlade and the European contingent of Sacramento's front office. It was a match made in heaven. Widely considered the best talent in a very deep 2018 draft class, Doncic was right there for the taking. It was all on the Kings. All they had to do was make the call and make the decision. So the Kings got cute. Going against the wishes of their head coach at the time, Dave Yeager, and they drafted athletic big man Marvin Bagley out of Duke, who filled a positional need and made, quote, better sense next to Fox, despite not being considered as talented as Doncic. Oh, also, Marvin Bagley worked out with the Kings in person. Doncic didn't, but Doncic did have dinner with Vlade and Vivek in Europe, but apparently Bagley working out for the organization was more meaningful to them. I love Marvin Bagley. He's a fantastic young man. He is a ridiculously hard worker, and anybody who questions that doesn't know what they're talking about, and he still has all of the potential to be a star in the NBA and a leader for the Kings for many years to come. He has that potential. That potential will always be up to him regardless of how amazing Doncic is and how great of a career Doncic has. It's on Bagley how good he can be. And the ceiling is extremely high for this young man. He can still turn into everything the Kings want and need him to be and be the perfect big man combo for De'Aaron Fox. Time will tell if Bagley can be that perfect pick that the Kings front office envisioned, or maybe foolishly hoped when they drafted him. But, to put it bluntly, Bagley was the wrong pick. That quite possibly could be the beginning of the end for Vlade, or could have been the beginning of the end for Vlade and this current era of Sacramento Kings basketball operations. And that, of course, is none of Bagley's fault. I've talked about it. In past podcasts, Bagley is not to blame for any of this. Passing on Doncic created a rift between Coach Yeager and the front office, which was only made worse by then-assistant general manager Brandon Williams, who decided to whisper with members of the media and undermine everybody he seemed to work with. That rift would result in the firing of Williams, but also the firing of Jaeger, even after Sacramento's 39-win season. Jaeger, despite his brashness and a reportedly low rapport amongst Kings players in the locker room, became the most successful Sacramento coach since the legendary Rick Adelman. Such an accomplishment that many have tried. There have been a lot of coaches between Adelman and Jaeger. And Jaeger was the most successful one. And that accomplishment still wasn't enough for him to keep his job after Vlade was offered a four-year contract extension. We talk about the Mike Malone firing and how that could have messed up the franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Dave Jaeger's firing. All right, fine. 
Jaeger did his job developing the young core into a near 500 team with tremendous upside, but he didn't have the faith or support to earn an extension and lead the team to the next level himself, right? All right, cool. I can understand that. So all Vlade had to do then was go out and find the right accomplished coach that checked all of the boxes that could be the guy to lead this team to the playoffs and beyond based off of former experience. Enter Luke Walton, Vlade's friend, who Vlade wanted, by the way, before Jaeger was even hired, but his reputation was grown as a member of Steve Kerr's championship coaching staff in Golden State, and Walton wasn't interested in coaching the Kings. He wanted to coach the Lakers, and we all know how that played out. Walton came in with a reputation for being a player's coach, being a former NBA player himself, and he was brought in without the Kings considering any other candidate. Walton comes in, and he's saying the right thing, says he wants to add to the newly established identity in Sacramento as a run-and-gun team by adding consistent defense, a higher volume of three-pointers, and better half-court offensive execution. He wanted to fill the holes. His press conference was great. He said what he needed to say. But here we are, nine months later, and the Sacramento Kings are still a horrible defensive team who is shooting a higher volume of bad three-point shots who struggles with any half-court offensive set beyond the very basics, and their fast-paced identity that took the league by storm last season is completely gone. All of the momentum for last season has not only been halted, it's completely disappeared with arguably an even better roster. I don't even want to say that things need to change, because... It was change in the first place that brought things to where we are now. If this isn't rock bottom for the Sacramento Kings, it's awful close. For me, there's a war waging in my own head right now. The optimism and pessimism fighting it out for control. With one side wanting to believe that with a little more patience, a healthy roster, and a better summer, the Kings coached by Luke Walton managed by Vlade, and owned by Vivek Ranadive, can bring the playoffs back to Sacramento. That's one side. The other side is almost welcoming chaos. A complete reset of the organization from the very top, sparing only a precious few, like De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, for example. The worst part is, I have the same small amount of confidence in the success of one as I do the other, which is impossible to shake after the many years of struggle in Sacramento. I have the same amount of confidence in optimism as I do in pessimism. I don't believe either of them will work beyond a pipe dream. One day the playoffs will return to Sacramento and fans inside the Golden One Center will be part of a moment to rival the ovation inside Arco Arena when the Kings took the floor in the 95 playoffs against the Seattle Supersonics. And even beyond that, one day a parade will be held through Capitol Mall in the streets of downtown Sacramento, flooded with people, 
all gathered to celebrate the first NBA title in the city's history. But a lot needs to change before those days. And seemingly impossible to believe, after nearly 14 long years of struggle, the hardest, bleakest days may still be ahead. Today's Locked on Kings podcast has been very different from usual, but I want to take the time to thank one of our fantastic sponsors here on the Locked on Podcast Network, MyBookie. If you're the type of fan that knows football or basketball so well that you could choose any game and call it, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sidelines and get into the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from your couch with nothing to gain, mybookie wants to get your mind off of everything else and back into the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. You got to use promo code Locked On NBA to activate that offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On NBA to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. My name is Matt George. The Locked On Kings podcast returns to normal tomorrow. Until then, and every day after that, stay together, keep the belief and passion going, be kind to each other, and remember, it's just a game. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.